At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. This is The Run Line. Welcome back. This is our number two of The Run Line coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke here talking all things baseball. The trade deadline could be hot and heavy over the next 48 hours. But going on right now in San Francisco, the Giants, they lead the Cubs 4-0 in the bottom of the sixth. Right now, the Giants minus 6,000 on the money line. You can get the Cubs at 15-1, to the total sitting at 6.5. But, Adam, let's get back to our trade deadline discussion. In the last segment, we talked about Juan Soto, Shohei Otani, who you believe could get dealt over the next 48 hours, which would be a massive story, not just in baseball, but in the sports world at that. But another guy you think that could get dealt that could help one of these contenders or these teams that are kind of in that medium range looking to make a push toward the playoffs is Frankie Montas. What can he provide here post-deadline? Yeah, so there are a couple of teams that badly need starting pitching help. And I mentioned it in the A block when we were talking about today's games. The Twins are a team that badly needs pitching help. And Frankie Montas is still working his way back from an injury, so he's kind of had his pitch count a little bit limited here over his last two outings. But the Twins need starting pitching. You know, I, they're kind of getting smoke and mirrors from Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer. Sonny Gray has been good. I think Joe Ryan's going to be just fine despite the rough outing that he had the other night. But they could use a guy like Frankie Montas. And it almost it's one of those things almost like Wilson Contreras to the Mets. It just makes too much sense. I think the only other team that's really in on Frankie Montas, maybe two. I think Cleveland would be, but also I think Toronto would be because Toronto could definitely use a little bit more starting pitching, a little bit more depth there with some of the injuries that they've had. But I would be stunned if Frankie Montas doesn't get moved by by Tuesday afternoon. So I think the Twins and the Blue Jays are, are the two most natural fits for him. Yeah, no, people always need arms. So if you can get a guy that's uh, pretty good on the mound there that can help out there, the Twins right now, they lead the AL Central, but they're clinging to that lead, Clinging. a one-game one lead over the Guardians, and they're two up on the Chicago White Sox at 53-48. and 48. So maybe a little bit of jolt there on the mound can get them over the top there to win that division. Uh, another guy you think could get dealt between now and Tuesday, Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles, a big bat, could be a rental for some of these teams here down the stretch here. What is attractive to you about Mancini? Yeah, so, I mean, look, Trey Mancini, first of all, he's a really good clubhouse guy. Um, you know, and, that, and that's something I think... Well, I can't quantify it. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that's really important, especially if you're a team making a playoff push. Having a guy that I mean, he's never been in the playoffs before, so that would be, well, I guess he was early on for Baltimore, but he hasn't been in the playoffs in a while. You know, had testicular cancer, overcame that. You know, he's just a guy that I think really invigorates a clubhouse to get a player like that. So 
I think a team, honestly, I don't know if the Giants really anticipate buying, but if they do, that's a guy that, you know, things have been tough, to say the least, with the way that they've been playing. Mm -hmm. I think you look for teams that are good, that are in this playoff hunt, but maybe even struggling a little bit, kind of need a little bit of a wake-up call. I think the Rays would be a good fit if Baltimore is willing to trade within the division. But Mancini is a guy that whoever loses out on Josh Bell, who's a rental player that can play first base and the outfield, also DH, he's a better hitter than Mancini, at least this season. I think whoever loses out on, on Josh Bell winds up going to Trey Mancini as kind of their fallback option. I think the Brewers would be a good fit. Rowdy Telez at first base has hit righties very, very well. He's not good against lefties at all. Mancini's a guy throughout his career that's been pretty good against left-handed pitching. So kind of a platoon situation there with the Brewers. I think Mancini's a good fit there. But again, he's a good clubhouse guy and a valuable bat. He could be a good pinch hitter as well. I think he's probably 100% to get traded as well. Yeah, I like that you said that it's tough to quantify the clubhouse stuff mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but it actually matters still. Like Sometimes we can get lost in the sauce with all the numbers and the metrics and everything, and sometimes we forget that these are humans and they're not robots. <laughs> and, right. you know, it's like That stuff can sometimes take clubs to that next level. There, Mancini being a guy that not only helps on the diamond, but also in the clubhouse as well. J.D. Martinez, you think, is an interesting guy who can get dealt. Why? Yeah, you know, I think the whole situation with Boston is, is pretty interesting because – the goal, obviously, is to win the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of teams will look at this, and this has been the Guardian's MO for a long time, of just all we got to do is get in, and then we'll see what happens, right? You know, it's a very high-variance tournament, the Major League Baseball playoffs. But when I look at the Boston Red Sox, I don't see a team capable of winning at all. I think so many things would have to go right for them. So I think they really have to look at their situation and say, should we sell? Should we be a team that, you know, we, we make ourselves available? Possibly they sell while buying at the same time. You know, kind of moving mm-hmm. a guy like a J.D. Martinez to get somebody else back that they can put either in that D.H. role or something like that. The concern for J.D. Martinez here is that he's been playing with a bad back. He's had back spasms, and he's a guy who's in his late 30s. So he can't play a position. He pretty much has to D.H. So that kind of limits the markets that he can go to. I think the Mariners are a good fit. The Mariners have not gotten much from their D.H.s throughout the course of the season. Mm-hmm. The Mets would be a good fit as well. Uh, so I, I think there will be a market. For J.D. Martinez, I just don't know if the Red Sox will be honest enough about their situation to say, you know what, we're probably more of a seller than we are a buyer. Yeah, Boston right now three and a half back in the wild card, which is remarkable because they're in last place in the American League East. That goes to show you how good that division has been with the Yankees leading the way. Red Sox 18 games back of the rival New York Yankees. Jose Quintana is another pitcher that you think could make a team a little bit better here at the deadline. Yeah, I think this is another player with a 100% chance of getting moved in Jose Quintana. The, the Pirates rolled the dice on him. They signed him to a $2 million deal, and he's actually been really, really good mm-hmm. so far this season for them. In fact, he's got a 350 ERA with a 324 FIP and 20 games started. And the thing that's intriguing about him is that $2 million base salary that he got, he's only owed about six hundred fifty dollars or $700,000 for the rest of the year. So that opens up his market to everybody, even teams that kind of operate with limited financial uh, you know, constraints, a team like the Rays, a team like Cleveland, um, you know, a team like the Twins, I think, is another really good fit for him. He'll have a lot of suitors. He knows the, NL, or the AL Central really well, so that's why I think the Twins and the Guardians would be pretty natural fits for him. I think the Cardinals are a good fit also because he's a left-handed pitcher, which means a lot of righties hitting against him, which means guys pulling the ball to Nolan Arenado, which is probably a pretty sound strategy. We talk about how good he is defensively at third. So I think Quintana 100% gets moved. 
And I think it's important to, to kind of talk about, you know, we haven't necessarily discussed the betting impact of a lot of this yet. Yeah. But I think a lot of these teams, you know, for example, if, if Boston doesn't buy and doesn't sell, they're almost kind of in purgatory, right? You know, we don't really know exactly what they're going to do. If a team like the Twins doesn't add to their rotation, and I think it's a very small percentage chance that they don't, but if they don't add to this rotation, then what does everyone in the clubhouse think? Because they all know that's the problem with this team. Yeah. Right. So if they don't get a Quintana, they don't get a Montas, they don't get, you know, they missed out on Castillo, who goes to Seattle. You know, I think you have to look at this kind of in terms of the value of the player and the players that they're replacing, but also the message it sends to the organization. Right. So, yeah, an Otani trade for the Angels completely submarines everything the rest of the year, <laughs> but they're awful anyway. So yeah. nothing changes. You know, for Baltimore, it's going to hurt them to lose a Trey Mancini because that guy's been there forever. Yeah. You know, think about the Reds. Tyler Molly is a guy who's probably going to get moved here at the deadline. He's under contract for next season as well. That's a guy that he was drafted by the Reds in 2013. He's been there his entire career. So those guys are tougher to move than some of these other players. They're, you, know, you have personal relationships with those guys. So that's where I think it kind of, maybe you, you try to, take some some opportunity and, and take advantage of those situations where teams that should buy that don't, I think that sends a bad message. Teams that should sell that don't, you either get, oh, well, you know, I don't really know what we're doing, or mm -hmm. you get, okay, they believe in us. You know, yeah. so I think you have to try to kind of read into those things, kind of play sort of not only amateur handicapper, but also amateur psychologist, <laughs> and just kind of evaluate each team's situation based on what they do or at least based on all the talk leading up to the trade deadline, which is also a good time for me to get on my soapbox. Hey, let's do it. And say that <laughs> the trade deadline in every league should be a league-wide off day. I think it is ridiculous that you'll have these players that are out there on the field yeah. not knowing that they got traded, or guys that get pulled off the field. And, you know, you have all the hug watch things and all that. Mm -hmm. As you said, these guys are not robots. They're human beings. This is a very emotional time for them and yeah. for their teammates. I, I, the trade deadline should be a league-wide off day because you know I think you have to prioritize the emotional and mental well-being of these players and their teammates. Well, yeah, and it's not even just the players. I mean, talk about their families, having to right. deal the whole life situation. You're moving to a city on a moment's notice. You might have to play in the game the next day. I right. mean, I, I think back to uh, uh, to Benintendi or whatever coming over with the Royals, and it's like he fly, he's flying with them, and he's playing with the Yankees and all that. Like it's just such a it's an awkward situation. I know people will probably sit out there and say that these guys make millions of dollars. Who cares? Put right. me in that situation. I'll move. If you're going to pay me five million a year or what have you, but still, when you're in that situation, it actually does impact not just you but also the livelihood of the people around you as well. Well, and you think too about specifically about Latin players. Right, the Latin American players that come over when they're 16, 17 years old, they get signed out of the Dominican or Venezuela or you know Colombia or mm -hmm. Puerto Rico, whatever the case may be, and you know they they had host families in the minor leagues. Yep. I'll never forget when Victor Martinez got traded from the Indians to to the Tigers, just sobbing at his locker. I mean, it was it was emotional for every Indians fan, for the entire organization, for everybody. I mean, even after he got traded. His host family from single A would still, you know, be there at games. He would get tickets for them. I mean, this is a guy who was in, you know, the organization for over a decade. Yeah. You know, so for a lot of these Latin players, it's even more difficult for them. So it's just, you know, and, and again, I mean, I, I hate, I don't want to sound cold and callous, but, you know, there are betting opportunities that we can, you know, use to our advantage from these things. But it's another reason why I just, it should be a league wide off day. Yeah. Just, 
there's there's too many moving parts, too many things going on. Yep, take care of the business, and then we can play baseball the day afterwards. Uh, a couple other names, Whit Merrifield, Noah Syndergaard. These are guys that you're kind of iffy on that might get traded. Yeah, so Whit Merrifield, you know, unvaccinated, so I don't know if he'll go to the AL East. The Orioles could use an upgrade at second base, but I don't think they're really a buyer. Uh, could be a pinch runner, though. That's a guy that could you know really help you in the late innings as a guy you know maybe you use to run in extra innings late in the year or something like that. Syndergaard's owed about six and a half million. That's the stumbling block with moving him. But there are teams like the Blue Jays, maybe the Twins, if the Angels eat some salary, that could be in the market for Thor. Yeah, Thor is a if if he can get right, he can really really add to somebody. But that's been the problem is the injury issues, and that's kind of what slowed him down over the last couple of years. On the other side, real or fake? Next here on the Run Line. Learn more. You found Visa's Premier Baseball Betting Show. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Run Line. Welcome back. This is The Run Line coming to you from the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino. He's Adam Burke. I'm Femi Abebefe, breaking down all things baseball. It's still 4 nothing, I believe it is, in the San Francisco between the Giants and the Cubs. We have our eyes on that as the Giants-Cubs go to the seventh inning out there in the Bay Area. But- I should have mentioned it. We were talking too much about the trade deadline stuff. Uh-huh. When this game went 4 nothing with Rodon on the mound and the Cubs a long way from home, in advance of the trade deadline <laughs> felt like a live, live under was the way to go here. Yeah. And, and I didn't mention it and I'm not even sure what the total would have been. I know that we were talking about it was three and a half in the fourth inning and then yeah. the Cubs it got, scored four. It, it got up to seven and a half. Giants scored four. It got yeah. up to seven and a half. Seven yeah. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I, the live under probably would have been the play. So again, I mean, that's something, especially now that we're in the second half where you're going to have some teams that quit either on a game by game basis or kind of overall. I think you will be able to find some scenarios where, you know, kind of live betting the unders in some of these games where it's just a bad team that, and look, the Cubs have been playing pretty well in the second half. I'll Mm -hmm. give them credit for that. But where it's a bad team in like a getaway day spot, something like that, they're very likely to roll over. So that, that may be a scenario where you want to look for a live under. Yeah. The Cubs are 41 and 59. This is the team that, yeah, like you mentioned, they're, they're playing better. They've won seven of the last 10, but. It's they know they're not going anywhere this season, and, and they're about to trade two of their better players, yeah. probably. So yeah. yeah, no, it's just they're probably ready to pack it in out there in San Francisco, especially when the sun goes down. It's probably going to start getting chilly out there. Um, <laughs> we like it's chilly here today. Well, it's chilly, chilly-ish by, in a relative sense. At least it's not raining behind us in the Circus Sportsbook, but <laughs> which is all back up and running and yes. good to go. The screens are all good to go. The carpets are back and all that stuff. You can. 
at the window and all that. So kudos to the folks here at Circa for getting that up and running after what we saw Thursday night, I believe it was. Yeah. Thursday night, that big storm that came through. I'm sure you have all seen the video on social media of water coming out of the screens, which is something I never thought I'd ever see in my life. But hey, uh, you see something new every day. Monsoon season is nuts out here. It is pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, they. I saw that like the the Henderson Regional Airport got three quarters of an inch of rain today. That's insane. That probably like triples what we had for the year. And we need rain, believe me. Uh, it, we do need the rain. If you've taken a look at Lake Mead, uh, past and present and future, uh, what that's the projections look like there. Not very good. Um, but. That's our situation here in Las Vegas. Let's get to back to the situation in baseball. Real or fake? Uh, this is a segment that we like to see if something is real that we should be buying into or if it's a little bit fake and maybe we can fade it and make a little bit of money. Brady Singer, to you, was a guy that was you wanted to highlight here in real or fake. Why is that? Yeah, so I think something that you want to keep in mind throughout the rest of the regular season, really good pitchers on really bad teams. And we've seen Josiah Gray specifically for the Washington Nationals He's about the only guy in the market that influential betters will regularly play on that team. They want no part of Patrick Corbin. They want no part of Anibal Sanchez. They want no part of most of the guys on that team. But they do like Josiah Gray. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really seen the line movement yet on Brady Singer. But I think that's something that we will get as we go forward here. So Brady Singer, 2020-2021, 39 starts at a 462 ERA. Not great. But when you look at his advanced metrics, a 405 FIP, 23% strikeout rate almost, 9% walk rate. So this is a guy who actually, in that COVID-shortened season, had not pitched above A. But what the Royals did, and this was brilliant on their part, they took that 60-game season and said, you know what? First of all, it's going to be really high variance. You can make the playoffs at 29 and 31, which is exactly what happened, not for the Royals, but for somebody that year. Mm-hmm. And they said, second, there's no minor league baseball. So... We'll go ahead and let Chris Bubich and Brady Singer pitch every five days in our starting rotation. That's paying off for them now. Where Brady Singer this year in 13 starts, 351 ERA, 358 FIP, 26.6% strikeout rate, 6.1% walk rate. So Singer's increased his strikeout rate, decreased his walk rate. He's got back-to-back double-digit strikeout games against the Rays and the Yankees in his last two starts. Only gave up one hit to the Yankees over seven innings wow. in that start on Thursday night. Brady Singer is legit. He is a legitimate bright spot for this Royals team this season. I think he is a guy worth backing, at least from a first five standpoint, because mm-hmm. their bullpen is not good at all. But that's a guy that's somebody to build around for this Royals team, and he's on a bad team. They're going to be an underdog probably in every game the rest of the way, especially moving off guys like Ben Benintendi and all that. But I think Brady Singer is very much a guy that can keep looking the part. So I think he is very real and uh, could be pretty spectacular the rest of the way. Do you oftentimes see that there's a lot of noise around these hidden gems that are playing on bad teams that not people pay attention to? They just say, oh, this team loses a lot of games. I don't want to back them. But do you think that there's just maybe that's a lot of noise, and once you can get through that, possibly find some actionable stuff and be able to profit off somebody like Brady Singer, especially like you mentioned in the first five? Yeah, I think so. I think especially you know playing all the division games. The Guardians' offense is not very good. The White Sox are very right-handed heavy and very bad against right-handed pitching. So Brady Singer faces those two teams, and I'm sure he'll run into them quite a bit the rest of the way, mm-hmm. or he'll be you know, maybe in a favorite role against the Tigers every now and then, something like that. And if the Tigers' bullpen gets stripped for pieces and parts, that'll be a really bad team going forward, just as, as an aside. But yeah, I think you, you want to find these guys and try to get in on them early. Talk about Pablo Lopez and how he got shelled today, six runs on 12 hits. 
But Pablo Lopez was a guy that took money all the time on a bad Marlins team a couple of years ago, back in like 2018, 2019, took money with regularity. Now he's mm-hmm. priced at the top of the market. They're considerable favorites in most of their home games when he pitches. That's just one where the value is completely gone from Pablo Lopez. We still have time with Brady Singer, so he's definitely a name to keep in mind for the rest of this season and future seasons as well. There's another pitcher that you wanted to highlight here, Eric Lauer. Yeah, so Eric Lauer for the Brewers, really interested. Tale of two seasons for him, a very uh, you know Jekyll and Hyde type of thing, kind of the best of times, worst of times, uh, <laughs> to throw out you know a, a classic that I'm sure we've all read, uh, Tale of Two Cities. But mm-hmm. in his first nine starts this season for the Brewers, Lauer with a 2.49 ERA, 29.3 percent strikeout rate, massive uptick in strikeouts for him. Last ten starts, 4.91 ERA, strikeout rate is down nine and a half percent. So his true talent level probably lies somewhere in between. So I'm not going to call this last 10 starts real. I would call it fake to a degree. But something you want to keep in mind with all of these pitchers here in the second half, and Eric Lauer is a guy that has had parts of, I think, three or four major league seasons. But these younger arms that are being asked to have these big innings increases, Mm -hmm. when we get into August and September, guys that maybe topped out at 120, 130, 140 innings, they're reaching that now or yeah. going to be reaching that in the next couple of weeks. So it's very difficult for them to stay as effective. You know, you see sometimes see the velocity decrease. You see the spin rates go down a little bit. They're just not as sharp, not as much control, not as much command. Maybe this happened a little bit early for Eric Lauer, but he kind of fits the mold of a lot of guys I'll be looking at throughout the month of August of guys that have had higher stress, higher stress innings, for maybe the first or second time in their careers coming off of the short 2020, the long 2021 with the short lead up in spring training, now the full 2022 season, I think a lot of these younger arms are guys that we may look to want to fade here. Singer is a younger arm, but I think he's a little bit of an exception because his mechanics are really, really clean. But I think that there are a lot of pitchers that we can look to fade here in the next six to eight weeks or so because they're just not used to this level of the grind. Yeah, no, that's interesting because this Brewers team probably going to be favorites oftentimes down the stretch here since they have that three-game lead in the NL Central. Are you in on the Brewers long-term just as a a team, as a collective here down the stretch? Yeah, I I do like the Brewers, and and the reason why I'd be willing to take a World Series future long shot on them, 20-1, to whatever the best price you could find is, is because in that best-of-three series, which they will play in, they're not going to have one of the two best records, I don't think, in the National League, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, some collection of, I think Freddie Peralta will be back, some collection of Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Aaron Ashby. They have pitching in a three-game series that will be very hard to beat. Mm -hmm. They've got Josh Hader and Devin Williams in the back end of the bullpen as well. The concern, obviously, is they advance from the best of three. Do you have Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns on reasonable rest to go and play the Mets or the Dodgers? Mm -hmm. That's the big concern with them. But they have the pitching in a playoff series to be dangerous. I don't think you can say that a lot about a lot. I don't think you can say that about a lot of the other kind of fringy teams. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't say it about the Twins. We've already talked about that. <laughs> you can't say it about the Blue Jays. They need to upgrade their pitching quite a bit. But I think the Brewers are a team that has the pitching to be dangerous in October. I thought that going into last year, I tell you, I'm at fifty-five to one before the season. Mm-hmm. They wound up making the playoffs. They won Game One against the Braves, and then kind of all went downhill from there. But this is a team very smart, very aggressive. GM and David Stearns. Now is probably the time to play on them 
Mm-hmm. Unless you think the Cardinals make a big splash like a Soto or an Otani, something like that. But again, you know, so many of these moving parts. But I do think that the Brewers are a team that has a puncher's chance come October because of their pitching. And that's music to Ben Wilson's ears, who usually sits in this seat here. Uh, his Milwaukee Brewers, dangerous pitching out in the NL. Would you say the Seattle Mariners are that team in the AL? I would not. Well, okay. My heart is broken. O- up until a couple of days ago <laughs> when they got Luis Castillo, I would say yeah. no. But now you've got Gilbert, you've got Castillo, you've mm-hmm. got an offense that's really coming around. You've got a very strong bullpen. The Mariners are dangerous, I think, especially because they could win that best of three playoff round. I mean, look, if they run into Houston, we've kind of seen how that's yeah. probably going to go for them. If they run into sweep, the Yankees, get that prop ready. That's tricky, but I think they could very well get out of that wild card round. Yeah, I believe they face the Yankees coming up tomorrow. So that'll be maybe an early look at what could happen come October. Mariners, they're just focused on getting into the playoffs, yes. winning and all that stuff. We'll worry about that when that time comes. Just get to the playoffs, folks, because we want October baseball in the Pacific Northwest. On the other side, I want to ask Adam about some NL MVP because we saw Austin Riley with the big bat come out today here to win it for the Atlanta Braves. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. This is The Run Line. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash price. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now. Start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And always, drink responsibly. Welcome back. This is The Run Line coming to you from the Circle Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. He's Adam Burke. I'm Femi Bebefe. Getting caught up on all things Major League Baseball here over these couple of hours. And we were talking about it during the break. The National League MVP, I think, is really interesting. We saw a development in the race earlier this afternoon. Austin Riley with the walk-off single, I believe it was, for the Atlanta Braves. They get the one nothing win earlier today. And over at BetMGM. Right now, the favorite to win the NL MVP is Paul Goldschmidt at minus 105. Austin Riley plus 800 right now as we sit here on July 31st. Is there a valuable bet to be made in this NL MVP market here? Do you think Goldschmidt is maybe a vulnerable favorite, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, it kind of all comes down to what the voters prioritize. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt, offensively, if you look exclusively at the offensive numbers, he's been... You know, the, the best offensive player in the National League this season. Mm-hmm. But Austin Riley is a kid that, I mean, his numbers are not far behind Paul Goldschmidt. And the Braves got off to a bit of a rough start. They were missing Ronald Acuna Jr. for a month early on in the year. And Austin Riley has been on a tear now. You know, leads the National League in home runs with 29. Had that walk-off double today that you mentioned. You know, that's a guy that is just having a monster year to where his number just keeps coming down and down and down. Now, for Goldschmidt, had the big, long hitting streak. But look, you know, I think there's so many considerations here with the voters. Austin Riley plays in a pretty good park for offense. Paul Goldschmidt does not. And something else that we were talking about during the break is not only are you handicapping the players and handicapping their stats, you're also handicapping the people that vote on the award. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if there will be some voters out there reluctant to vote for Goldschmidt because we came to find out you know, with that series against Toronto, that he's unvaccinated. You know, because again, you have a lot of different opinions in these awards markets, and people will kind of value things differently. And you may have a voter who looks at the numbers for Austin Riley and Paul Goldschmidt and says, "Well, you know, 
Paul Goldschmidt did something to negatively impact his team mm-hmm. by not being able to play those two games. Or, you know, somebody could say, oh, he puts his teammates at risk by being unvaccinated. Yeah. Especially if they lose the division by two, right. three games or so, that could be something that comes into conversation. Right. So, you know, if there's going to be a voter or two that would be unwilling to vote for Paul Goldschmidt, makes it hard for me to bet on him, especially, you know, as the, the minus money favorite right now. So I don't know. There, there will still there's still a lot of time for this thing to shake up, obviously. But the way that Austin Riley's playing, and something else is, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt was red hot in May and June. Mm-hmm. There's always an element of recency bias that comes into play when you talk about these awards markets. So that's definitely something that you want to keep in mind as well. Is uh, we have an injured player here? Oh yeah, in this Cubs the, game. Yeah, we got to look at who that is in this Cubs Giants game. But um, I think the MVP conversation. Um, in the popularity contest that it becomes. Because I know a lot of folks go by the numbers and all that stuff, but it is writers who are voting on these awards, and writers like to tell stories. And I mm-hmm. think one of the second-half stories of baseball, likely in the American League, going to be Aaron Judge going for 61 home runs there. I mean, he's on pace to surpass what Roger Maris did. Also, uh, the Yankees, 100-plus wins potentially there for this season. In the NL, it could be this Atlanta Braves team if they surpass the Mets in the NL East. It could be how hot they've been, the defending World Series champions. Here they come. And if St. Louis maybe falls off just a touch, maybe Riley is a valuable bet to make at plus 800, or maybe it could be someone like Freddie Freeman who went over to the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers probably didn't need his help, but they're winning a ton of games, and he sits at plus 800 as well. Well, and the thing that's so tough about these awards markets, you know, and I think I mentioned to you during the break that, you know, Jason Weingarten, who hosts our Wide Roll of Weingarten podcast, I think mm-hmm. he's got Austin Riley at like 70 to 1. You know, I have seen some other people get really balloon numbers on him. And that becomes part of the problem, I think, with betting these markets is, is you kind of look at where these prices were, what you could have gotten. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it and you're like, well, how can I bet Austin Riley at plus 650 when he was, you know, 70 to 1 a few weeks ago? And I get it. And obviously, we preach getting the best line that you can, getting the best of the number all the time. But you also have to handicap these things for what they are right now. Yeah. Because the fact that Austin Riley was 70 to 1 a few weeks ago has no bearing on you now. You know, it it just doesn't. Now you have to look at it as is Austin Riley worth a bet at seven or eight to one? And I think because he's in such a good hitter's park, because he's with a Braves team that has a legitimate chance to topple the Mets and win that division. I think the Mm -hmm. Mets still hold them off, but it is certainly a realistic possibility. You know, to your point, if the Cardinals aren't a wild card, and they should be with the the sixth wild card spot now, you know, will they give it to a player that misses the playoffs? I mean, Mike Trout should probably have like seven or eight of these. He's got three because he doesn't make the playoffs. So, you know, again, you you have to handicap the voters and the fact that Atlanta is virtually 100% to make the playoffs now maybe does add some value to playing a guy like Austin Riley. Yeah, it is frustrating for, I know, a lot of betters because there's no calculation to what the voters are going to do. There are some parameters that you can kind of go by to guide you to who should win the award and who will end up winning the award. But I think that's what can sometimes be maddening, that this comes down to humans voting on an award. And it almost becomes like an election of you're handicapping who the popular vote is going to be and all that stuff. But to me, I think it provides value. That's why I like betting on awards markets, because it is handicapping humans and humans can kind of tell you which direction they're going to go. You can read the tea leaves a little bit to find some valuable bets to be made. Something I want to mention real quick. I said Austin Riley led the National League at home runs. He doesn't. It's actually Kyle Schwarber. And, and Pete Alonso is third. And Pete Alonso is a guy that, you know, is up there in the MVP market as yeah. well. And that's another thing. You know, will people hold it against Pete Alonso that Max Scherzer is back and Jacob DeGrom is coming back? 
Yeah. You know, will the voters kind of hold that against him? You know, will will they look at Austin Riley and say, okay, well, Dansby Swanson's having a hell of a year. Ronald Acuna Jr. is, you know, a top five, top ten player in Major League Baseball. You know, they still have Max Free. They got this great bullpen. You know, that's always is the question for me. Why I don't really honestly jump into the player futures markets all that much just mm-hmm. because it's hard enough to look at the numbers and compare all those. Then you also have to consider what the voters are going to do, where yep. they're going to, you know, dock guys, where they're going to prop guys up, stuff like that. I don't do a whole lot with the player futures markets simply because of that. Yeah, maybe it's because I'm a former local news guy and I used to be one of these media folks uh, that did all did all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, I can get inside the minds of these guys. Mm-hmm. I know, I know what the narr- I can anticipate what the narrative will become there. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love these player awards markets there because I think it also gives me something to root for as well throughout the entire season. Because I don't bet baseball from a day to day standpoint like you out there grinding, putting out those daily, grind. daily MLB articles for vcent.com check those out i'm sure if you're watching this show i'm sure you've read those articles as well speaking of max scherzer as we turn our attention to tomorrow's slate in major league baseball scherzer and the mets taking on patrick corbin and the washington nationals right now the mets minus 250 the consensus number here uh in the market the nationals plus 200 the total sitting at seven and a half we've seen a little bit of uh, movement to- in the uh, favor of the mets here in this game but uh, what jumps out to you with scherzer and corbin on the mound tomorrow night So there's a concept in Major League Baseball, I call it the ace bump, which is, generally speaking, a starting pitcher who's a frontline, legitimate, top-of-the-rotation ace Mm -hmm. gets bet up almost 20 cents automatically. The line just goes up, you know, because in time, you wind up getting, you know, public piggybackers that put teams into money line parlays and, you know, all that kind of thing. But the market will almost prop these guys up 15, 20, 25 cents right off the open, just Mm -hmm. every single time. So not really a big surprise if we see that with Max Scherzer because Patrick Corbin on the other side has been absolutely awful. So that's one where this line may not be done running. Honestly, the thing that's intriguing to me is you've got Scherzer, who's obviously really good. Yep. You've got this situation where Juan Soto could be traded tomorrow afternoon. Josh Bell could be traded tomorrow afternoon. Nelson mm-hmm. Cruz could be traded tomorrow afternoon. And this total has gone from seven and a half to eight. That's the interesting move to me is that, yeah. well, there are some seven and a halfs out there, but there's over minus 120, over minus 125. Behind us here, they've already gone to eight at Circa. That's really interesting to me, and it speaks to the projection of the Mets offense against Patrick Corbin. So when I see a move like that, I have no interest in laying 250 on the Mets. But I look at a line move like that where you've got massive favorite, questionable situation for the Nationals lineup, and the total's going up, seems like Mets team total over would be the way to play that then, just kind of reading the context yep. in the betting market and the line move. Got to look for the clues, and I think that's a clue that you pointed out there astutely. Uh, real quick, before we got to go to break, the Rockies and the Padres right now, San Diego minus 225, Rockies plus 185, totals at 7.5. Yeah, another massive favorite here, and, and the Rockies, Daniel Bard was going to be one of the hottest trade commodities out there in terms of relievers, But they actually signed him to an extension, oddly enough, which was very surprising to see. Uh, So they'll kind of keep their bullpen intact a little bit. But this Rockies team, you get their home road splits, and this is not a surprise when you talk about Coors Field. But they're scoring just about three runs per game on the road, over six runs per game at home. They get bet against almost every game on the road. I call it the Rockies road fade, and it happens (laughs) almost all the time. The one saving grace for them, they've hit lefties pretty well on the road. Unfortunately, Mike Clevenger throws right-handed. So... This line probably continues to go up a little bit as well. Oh, another big favorite there in the senior circuit. Yeah, so if, if you like the Padres, you've got to do that now. Or if you wait until tomorrow, probably 
it's going to get away from you. On the other side, we'll go down the rest of Monday's slate here in Major League Baseball. Stick with us. Final segment of The Run Line coming up next here on VC. Found Visa's Premier Baseball Betting Show. This is the run line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. I hope Ohio State's in there. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the final segment of the run line here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Abebefe alongside Adam Burke. Adam, you're an Ohio State guy. I'm sure you're high on the Buckeyes this year. Very much guide. so. Is it a positive tone about this team in the betting guide? Yes. Well, I didn't write about them, but it would be if I had written about them. <laughs> uh, I honestly think they win it all. Same so. here. That's I got tickets. I got the team. <laughs> yeah. I got some tickets that hopefully if they win it all, it'll be a fun January for me. But let's get back to tomorrow's card in baseball here. The Dodgers and the Giants, a little NLOS clash right now. L.A. minus 135, the road favorite. Giants plus 115, total sitting at 7.5. Yeah, tough one here to handicap because I, I really, really like Logan Webb. I'm a big Logan Webb fan for the Giants. He's got a, a lot more swing and miss than his strikeout numbers would suggest. But it is remarkably difficult to bet on the Giants right now with all the issues that they've been having. And I know they're up 4 nothing here tonight as this one's uh, kind of wrapping up here with a bit of a whimper. But the Giants are a bad defensive team. Their bullpen's not particularly good. They're not hitting well. But Andrew Heaney on the other side, you know, he's been hurt a lot, just came back, had a good outing last time out. At least the stuff looked pretty good. But that's a it's a tough sell, laying a, a pretty hefty number there where to some degree... This almost feels like a Giants last stand type of thing in mm -hmm. this series just because they've got to prove that they can beat somebody good. But they're just they're not making a whole lot of contact quality right now. Maybe a lean towards the under seven and a half. But it, I mean, who wants to bet an under against the Dodgers lineup? Yeah, no, I, that, I would not want to get involved with that if it were me. That's a uh, betting. I wouldn't bet that with your money. The folks that are with your money, <laughs> the folks who are listening or watching, I wouldn't want to get involved with that. Let's switch over to the American League where my beloved Seattle Mariners taking on the Bronx Bombers. 
in New York. The Yankees right now minus 195, the favorites. The Mariners plus 165. The total sitting at nine is juiced to the over there at minus 115. Can my Mariners beat a good team in the AL? I certainly think your Mariners could beat a good team. I think the big concern here is Marco Gonzalez. So Marco Gonzalez is a guy, I've talked about him a lot, written about him in the regression report, talked about him here on this show as well. 366 ERA on the season with a 462 expected ERA, 508 FIP, 495 XFIP. So this is a guy, when you look at all of his peripheral numbers, he is overperforming by at least a run relative to his ERA, if not more. He does not miss bats. He does not strike out a lot of guys. 12.4% strikeout rate on the season here for Marco Gonzalez. I I don't really know how he's doing it. I've been trying to figure it out all year long. I know I've lost some money going against this guy, but there's a reason why that total is juiced over, and and Mm -hmm. I agree with the overjuice here in this one. I also don't believe in Domingo Herman, who gets the start for the Yankees. He was on the 60-day IL until until I think it was two starts ago. The Mariners have a pretty good offense. They've got some good offensive pieces. This may end up being a first five overplay for me because I do think the Mariners' bullpen is very solid. Mm-hmm. And I like the Yankees' bullpen despite the injuries and some of the issues that they've been having here of late. But this is one where I'll check the weather forecast tomorrow. Hopefully it'll be hot in the Bronx. Hopefully it'll be conditions conducive to hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I think we could see some runs not only in this game, but possibly in this series as well, where I think Seattle is kind of an underrated offense because their offensive numbers are generally pulled down by the park they play in. Now, how much of that is hurt by Julio Rodriguez going to the 10-day IL today with that wrist injury there? Any concern for you with Julio now out of the lineup? Yeah, certainly a concern. Honestly, I think this total is probably 9.5 if he's out there, which may be why we're seeing a little bit of that over money kind of pull up that juice to minus 115 uh, in that range. So it is a concern, certainly. Uh, they, I do like how they've kind of upgraded their offense, getting Ty France back. That's helped. Yep. Carlos Santana's had some moments for them as well. Uh, and I also, this is something I look at more in a sport like the NBA, but I kind of apply the suit, what I call the superstar subtraction theory, mm-hmm. where when somebody big goes out, everybody else tries to do just a little bit more. Maybe that'll be the case for the Mariners here in the Bronx this week. Well, let's hope so there, at least for my sake, for my beloved Seattle Mariners. Uh, down to Texas in Arlington, the Texas Rangers hosting the Baltimore Orioles right now. The Rangers minus 170, the favorite, the O's plus 145. Totals at eight, and it's juiced to the over. So initially, the market has liked this over in this matchup. Yeah, so John Gray has been really good. And John Gray is a guy that was pretty competent for the most part pitching in Colorado, which is obviously a very, very difficult place to pitch. First season here with the Rangers in 18 starts, 369 ERA, 349 expected ERA, 337 FIP. Really, really good. Over, Well over a strikeout per inning. A strikeout rate, 27.1% on the season here. This is one where I'm kind of torn, though. I don't know if I want to play Baltimore or if I want to play the under because mm-hmm. I think John Gray will have success here against this Baltimore team who, again, could wind up without Trey Mancini uh, by the time this game goes off. But Baltimore is a team that I've told myself when they're a dog in games that could be close, I want to bet Baltimore at plus money. Their bullpen is outstanding. They're not going to strip that bullpen, I don't think. They're going to continue to use that as a strength, Mm -hmm. especially because they're kind of, you know, sort of in the wild card picture there in the American League. So Spencer Watkins is a guy who does not have nearly as, you know, sexy of a profile as John Gray, especially in terms of strikeout rate or anything like that. But that's a pretty big number for Baltimore with a Texas offense that's really good against lefties and not good against righties. 
maybe on the under eight, maybe on Baltimore at the plus money price. Uh, but this is one I'll definitely take a closer look at. And also, Texas, one of the worst teams of all time in one-run games. So they don't fare well in close, tight-scoring environments. Yeah, the Orioles right now three games back there in the American League wild card. The Boston Red Sox are three and a half games back. You think that they might come to Jesus and become sellers here at the trade deadline or they're in Houston taking on the Astros where I'm sure things will not be easy. The Astros right now minus 185, the favorite Red Sox plus 155, total sitting at eight. So Luis Garcia is a really solid pitcher and he gets the start tomorrow for Houston, but this line tells you all you need to know about the current state of the Boston Red Sox. The fact that they are this big of a dog, and I know they're missing Rafael Devers, and that's really hurt them mm-hmm. on the offensive side, but the concern that I have in this one is Nate Uvalde. So Nate Uvalde is not having a very good year. And he just came back from injury recently, and his velocity has not come back. His velocity is down about two miles per hour from his season average, It's very much on par with his start right before he hit the IL and then in his recent starts since he came off of the injured list. So that's a really big concern is that Nate Uvalde's out there without his best stuff. Taking on an Astros lineup that's obviously very, very good, very talented, very deep. It's interesting that Minute Maid Park early on in the year did not play well for offense whatsoever. That has kind of changed throughout the course of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't really like Boston's chances in this game. The question is if Boston can help out on that total of eight, which the way that Nate Uvalde's pitched lately, eight looks pretty low for the total. But again, that kind of depends on what you think about the Boston offense. Let's hope the Chicago White Sox offense is clicking tomorrow night. They're taking on the Kansas City Royals as minus 180 favorites at home. They're on the south side. The Royals are plus 150. We see the total sitting at 8.5. It was 8.5 juice toward the under at open. Now it's an 8.5 flat across the board, minus 110 each way. Maybe a little bit of an indicator to market liking this one to go over, at least initially. I I couldn't bet an over with the White Sox against a right-handed pitcher. I mean, they've been a bottom five offense against right-handed pitchers all season long. And Michael Kopech had some rocky moments, but he came back off the All-Star break, five and a third scoreless at Coors Field. Now, he worked around some trouble. He gave up six hits and three walks in his five and a third innings. But that's a guy, I talked about young pitchers kind of reaching those new thresholds. Yep. Michael Kopech is one of them. And I think the All-Star break should be beneficial for him, kind of let him sort of get back on track a little bit. The White Sox are an extremely aggressive offensive team. The biggest issue with Brad Keller, who should get this start for the Royals, he's at least listed as the probable starter, is control. He walks a lot of guys. Mm. The White Sox don't walk. So I'm kind of looking at under eight and a half in this one, or at least maybe under for the first five, because the Royals' bullpen is terrible. But this is a scenario where I don't expect a whole lot of offense in this game. Now, Brad Keller will give up some hard contact. Last year, hard hit percentage of 44.3%. This year, down to 37.2%. So control's been a little bit better. Command's been a little bit better. White Sox, very aggressive offensive team. This could be a surprisingly low-scoring game here between Keller and Kopech. Got about 30 seconds left here. Your Cleveland Guardians hosting the Arizona Diamondbacks. DraftKings has Guardians minus 130. D-backs plus 110, total 8.5. Yeah, it's a tricky one because Cal Quantrill is a guy that, again, pitches to a lot of contact. That's a little bit concerning for me. Uh, Looks like the... Diamondbacks are going to go with Zach Davies, so a lot of balls in play. Two guys that do not miss a lot of bats here in this one. Uh, Tough handicap. I don't really know if I like either side in this one as of now. Do you have a bold trade deadline prediction for us over these next couple days? I think Shohei Otani gets moved. 
I, I think it happens. I really think it happens. I think probably Cardinals, maybe Cleveland in that mix. But I okay. think Otani goes, and I don't really know if Juan Soto does. So Otani dealt Soto remaining in our nation's capital. That would be quite the story here. Hold on to your seats, folks. This trade deadline's coming fast and in a hurry in just two days. That does it for the show. He's Adam Burke. I'm Femi Abebefe. Coming up next, The Look Ahead with Greg Peterson here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.